0: You're listening to Flip This Risk, where it's time for a new conversation about risk management. From the boardroom all the way to the barbershop down the street, you can overcome fear of risk and thrive. Join your host, Dr. Karen Hardy, for candid conversations with industry leaders from across the globe. Dr. Karen brings her experience as an industry thought leader, best-selling author, and Apex Award winner to each episode. Let's start the show.
1: Everyone, This is Dr. Karen Hardy and welcome to Flip This Risk Podcast, where we interview high achievers about their relationship with risk-taking and how it influences their leadership resiliency. You can find out more about our podcast at flipthisriskpodcast.com. And today my guest is Rita Beth Craig. Rita is one of the co-authors of the new book, Flip This Risk for Enterprise Security, which is now available on Amazon. Welcome, Rita Beth.
2: Thank you so much, Dr. Hardy.
1: It's so exciting to have you here. So you're one of eight authors of the book. So what is your chapter uh, about? What's the title of it and and what is it about?
2: So my chapter is on travel and event security. And what me and my co-author, Sherry Tucci, who is at AIG, what we really focused on are what are the components of a great travel risk management program that any Mm. company or organization should have. And uh, there are a lot of aspects to event security that are very similar to the travel risk management. So we uh, have uh, some tips and some things that you can kind of apply in, in, the, in that way as well.
1: You know, in the on page 73 in your chapter, you said that in a globalized economy, business travel is necessary for companies of all kinds of sizes which creates the need for a robust travel security program. And I don't think people ever thought about the fact that you need a robust travel security program. I think we understand about being you know, your personal travel, but not the corporal, corporate side of that.
2: Right, so I think there's a lot of uh, people, employees and maybe managers at companies who don't realize that there is a legal duty of care that applies to mm. your employees when they're traveling. Both domestically and internationally. Uh, And there's two things that I think have really made this a hot topic uh, more recently. One was the pandemic, uh, which in March 2020, when it really uh, hit the U.S., I think a lot of companies realized that they didn't have a way to locate all of their people who might be traveling. And that suddenly became very important to them. And the other is uh, in September, the ISO published a new standard for travel risk management. And so beginning in next year, I think a lot of companies will be looking at the requirements of that standard and saying, do we have these elements in place? Uh, because that it kind of augments that legal uh, requirement that we have in the US uh, under OSHA and that uh, exists in a lot of other countries under their legal frameworks as well. So it's, it's a lot to consider.
1: So it's the I what what standard number is this on the ISO ISO can you recall Yeah
2: it's uh 31030
1: Right Now, it's interesting so in pre-pandemic did you was there any plans to upgrade the standard before the pandemic was this something in the works Yes, was yes. the this pandemic just really well, <laughs> amplified I, I, it huh?
2: I think publishing the ISO standard by itself may not have gotten the same attention, but the mm-hmm. pandemic, I think, really helped management and leaders understand uh, why it would be useful to have a travel risk program that meets all of those requirements. So, no, this, this standard's been in the works for, I think, four or five years now. Uh, it takes a long time for uh, the experts to get together and, and really say like these are the elements that are needed Mm -hmm. and a lot of people even myself are looking at my program and saying I have I also have gaps and I always every year I'm coming up with improvements and the pandemic has helped me in that process and the, the standard is helping with that too
1: but yeah even with the pandemic I from what I understand even there's been a reduction in business travel does that have any impact at all on your work or how you manage it
2: It does uh, in a couple of ways. So one is that uh, when you come into a position like this, uh, especially if you're at a company where you have thousands of people traveling every year, that's a lot uh, to manage. And you maybe wouldn't have the time to delve into the nuts and bolts of your program the way that I had the opportunity, especially last year, when travel went down to almost zero. Mm -hmm. So that gave me a chance to really examine every aspect of my program. without the day-to-day press of business. The other way that it's impacted us is that when people are traveling, you're getting a constant feedback signal from, from that population telling you what they've experienced and even not just my own travelers, but it's out there you know, benchmarking or you're getting it through uh, government org- organizations like OSAC um, we have in the U.S. and now that people aren't traveling, that feedback is cut off. And so it's right. a big question among travel risk managers is what, how has the security environment changed, uh, especially in some of the higher risk destinations because we haven't had people going there for 18 months. And so what for me would have been a higher risk destination maybe in South America, um, you know, if I was having travelers go to a country every month, I would kind of be checking in and getting feedback on their experiences. And this is a long gap. Uh, to not have right, that I, feedback.
1: Right, I know it is, it's an extremely long gap. And then you talk about something of duty of care in terms of, you know, the concept of duty of care encompasses ethical responsibilities. What type of ethical responsibilities are you speaking about? Uh,
0: so
2: the ethical responsibility is, and legal responsibility is to provide a safe working environment for your employee. And that, in, that, um, that extends to business travel. And so that means that you know, your company or your organization, uh, because this applies to uh, academic institutions or nonprofits as well, you have uh, an obligation to make sure that you are setting your employee up for a safe and secure travel experience. And there are some things that a company needs to do or, or the organization needs to do uh, in advance uh, to make sure that, for example, there's safe transportation at the destination um, to make sure that there's adequate uh, access to medical care if needed, to make sure that you have the resources in place that, that would support that employee if they experienced a security or medical um, event while on travel. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are a couple of the aspects uh, that are covered.
0: You're listening to Flip This Risk Podcast with Dr. Karen Hardy, and we'll be right back with more great conversation after this. Do you want to write a book but don't know where to start? No worries. We've got you covered. Become a published risk management author with Flip This Risk Books. Flip This Risk Books is an international award-winning book series written by industry subject matter experts and practitioners just like you. Want to build your professional brand and authority in the field? Write a chapter for our next book series. Visit flipthisriskbooks.com.
1: So what do you hope people would take away from your chapter? Uh, and why do you think this book at this particular time is important for your industry?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it's so timely uh, given the pandemic, which has shaken a lot of assumptions that I think our, our previous, you know, not just our personal life, but also our professional lives were built on. Uh, and that's uncovered a lot of risks that we maybe uh, were able to avoid for the pandemic or that are now becoming very obvious to us. So what I hope that people will learn from, first off, from my chapter, from, from our chapter is uh, the opportunity to benchmark and to look mm. at you, what is already in place for your travel program and to see, you know, are there some things that you're missing? And hopefully from, the, from this chapter, it will give uh, your readers out there some ideas about how they could build and mature their program.
1: That is excellent. So, just to wrap up a little bit. So, what some, what are some of your um, thoughts you want to leave with people in terms of traveling and event security? What's, what what uh, things on the top of mind do you want them to keep in mind as they you know walk away from this uh, this time with you?
2: I think the main takeaways I want to leave the audience with is that travel and event security doesn't have to be difficult, doesn't necessarily have to be expensive even. There are a lot of things you can put in place that will mitigate most of your risks. And uh, that's the second big takeaway is that this is a, these are areas where being proactive is really beneficial. I, I came across a quote recently that said, the most expensive travel risk management program you'll ever encounter is the one you put in place the day after you needed it. Uh, Yes. (laughs) And I think in our industry in general, we're we're always uh, big fans of preparing in advance.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. I would assume so. That's very important. And then uh, finally, within organizations, um, from here on out, we will be in a post-pandemic environment. I mean, that's what it's going to be referred to. There's so many risks that came with the pandemic. There was remote work and all of these other things are you um uh, is there any correlation between remote work and travel um within your? Org- in anything crossing over
2: yes yeah there's t- i mean one big area uh, that the pandemic has brought that does cross over into travel is the wor- the shift to work from home posture and how mm-hmm. many organizations have realized that employees can work productively from home and that in turn has led to employees realizing hey do I have to be at home, or can I go to another destination, another country, perhaps? Mm-hmm. And so, there's two ways to think about this. One is what we're calling international self-initiated remote work requests, uh, and the other is um, adding leisure travel onto existing business travel. It's so very similar, and they mm-hmm. present similar risk, which is that you know, what is uh, what is the obligation of a company? Towards an employee that asks to work remotely, especially internationally, um, it's very—you know—it's up to the company, and, and that's where you really get into the area of ethical and perhaps reputational risk. Where you mm-hmm. thinking, okay, you know, you can go to this other country, but you know, you aren't going to be covered by some of our safety resources. But if something happens, you know, is this the bad press that you want to see for your company? Uh, and then tracking travelers who are on official business travel and then decide to add a little bit of leisure travel onto it, um, this is a big area that everyone in travel risk management is trying to get their hands around because uh, it does sort of blend the, the lines between where where does the company's obligation end and where does the employee uh, kind of on their own. So this will be the challenge of, of 2022 and beyond,
1: Well, there are going to be so many challenges for organizations, so many things to look at. How does, where does travel um, and event security fall in the scheme of, in terms of ranking of risk to manage within an organization?
2: Yes. Well, I think it it probably depends on the the travel tempo of the organization um, Mm -hmm. and the location that they're sending people to. Uh, So I think... For a lot of U.S.-based companies, um, it probably falls in, you know, maybe the lower of the top five risks. Uh, I think in, here in the U.S., what I'm seeing from benchmarking is um, the emotional health and well-being of employees at this time is kind of more uh, higher up on that list. Um, oh. Also, because we're not traveling as much as we had. But yes, uh, I think going forward one of the risks we'll see is that uh, entry requirements and border crossing requirements are changing all the time in response to where we're at in the pandemic. And so this will be one of the things that companies pay a lot of attention to is um, people risk getting stranded, which happened recently. Yeah, I can
1: imagine.
2: Uh, a lot of uh, unhappy people <laughs> stranded at airports <laughs> around the world. And you know, this is something I'm always thinking about for my travelers and, and probably anyone Uh, contemplating a trip right now, uh, you know, wants to avoid that scenario.
1: Wow, I mean, this is great and fascinating information. We really do appreciate your insight and expertise uh, and perspective to be included in this book to talk about, you know, a a subject actually I didn't know a lot about, but I learned a lot just by reading your chapter. And I think it's very uh, valuable as we move forward in terms of how organizations think about travel and event
2: security. I agree. Thank you again. I I really enjoyed being a part of this project and um, hoping to join one of your other projects in the future.
1: Well, we'll make sure that happens. (laughs) Okay. Rita, I want to thank you so much for being here today and sharing your thoughts on Flip This Risk podcast. And I want to thank my audience for joining us today. I'm Dr. Karen Hardy, and we'll catch you next time.
0: Helping you feel secure is our strategy, all the way from the boardroom to the barbershop down the street. Subscribe at flipthisriskpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.